Give it up for the skit, guys. And now, being that it is the end of January, maybe some of you can identify. You know what I'm talking about? I, I, I don't know any of you resonate with the skit guys here, but it, all, it gets to that time of year where you start driving around the neighborhood and there's those few houses that still have their Christmas lights on. You know what I'm talking about? This is a big deal in our house. We've started honking at them now. It's so frustrating. It's the pastor and his wife just honking at houses. Get it together! It's not Christmas anymore. I mean, really? You ha- still have your lights up. Do these people know? I mean, okay, you know, a couple weekends into January, right? It's, it's okay, and you give people some grace. We like to give grace. Folks, it's going to be February this week. And some people still, you can look in their windows. They still have their Christmas trees up, don't you? Maybe Jesus had something else in mind, whether than that being the proclamation of our faith is to have the chili pepper up all year round. And no hard feelings. I'm not trying to point any fingers, but seriously, people, let's get it together here. Because maybe, maybe you're like me and uh, our friends in the video here that, that, that you think that maybe keeping your Christmas lights up all year round is what is going to make his light shine all year round. But I think that Jesus had a different idea of what it means to let our light shine here in Des Moines and in the world around us. Jesus says in our scripture today, you are the light of the world. Not your house overdone with Christmas lights. You, you are the light of the world to the world around you. Because the truth is, if you think about it, the need for light in our world runs a little bit different, uh, deeper than plastering our house with Christmas lights and leaving them up all year round. Jesus is asking for a little bit something different. There's a lot of darkness in our world. If we're honest with ourselves, we're surrounded by a whole lot of darkness. It, we, it just takes turning on the TV or opening up the newspaper in the morning with your cup and coffee. It's pretty clear that there's a lot of darkness around us. You hear about another shooting, another natural disaster, another, uh, another bombing, and something terrible happens, and, and our normal reaction is to kind of uh, fold our arms and say, uh, what does the world come to, right? All these terrible things. Can you believe it? What's wrong with these people? And if we're not careful, it's pretty easy to get cynical, and it's pretty easy to get pessimistic. But you see, the darkness isn't just on TV or in the newspaper. For a lot of us, Today, this week, maybe this month, this year, it hits pretty close to home. I've had several conversations with people in our church family this week who are still laid off, who can't find a job to provide for their family. Others are recovering from sickness or have a loved one that's in the hospital or maybe just passed away. Another hopester this week, a father, young married couple, brain tumor. Why does this stuff happen? Where is God at in all that darkness. And so it's pretty pretty easy to sit back and cross our arms and say, why does it have to be so dark? And so for many of the things that we counter, we know that there's no easy answers. I'm not going to stand up here today and say, well, this is why it's dark and this is what you can do to fix it. Because the truth is we can't fix anything under our own power. And we all know that Jesus doesn't even say that our time on this earth is going to be easy. The Bible isn't a manual on how to be happy all the time. Jesus even says to us in John chapter 16, in this world, you're going to have trouble. That's just the fact of the matter. But then he says this, take heart, for I have overcome the world. In other words, Jesus says you can spend your days constantly blaming the darkness or the great 
does anybody else, it feels like it's been gray for about a month. January's just been gray, so maybe it's not darkness, it's just blah. Is it always going to be January? <laughs> Is it always going to be winter? We wonder. We can blame the darkness and we can blame the grayness. Or we can trust that there is a light that's going to shine in the darkness no matter what. From our Christmas story that we heard about a month ago, you remember this from John chapter 1? Jesus says this, and let's read this together from John chapter 1. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And so we know that the darkness is real. But so is the light. And we know that 2,000 years ago, that light came walking into this dark world in physical form, and his name was Jesus. And in this group of passages that we're working through uh, these next few weeks as we're, we're going through this sermon series about Jesus' the Sermon on the Mount, and we're ex- exploring some of the Gospels and right early here in Matthew, Jesus walks, the light walks right in to the dirty, dusty roads of Palestine filled with evil and corruption and abuse of God's people and people neglecting the poor. A lot of darkness. We can relate to that. Right into our pains and frustrations of everyday normal life. And Jesus says, I'm not here to complain about it. In fact, I'm not even going to get pessimistic about it. In fact, I'm not even going to be angry with you for the darkness that you've created. Instead, I'm going to shine the light. And then I'm going to tell you who you are. Because you too are the light. And so early in his ministry, Jesus walks up the side of a hill and he begins to preach. And this sermon that we've been talking about called the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew chapter 5. And, and, and Jesus is, is here and he's, he's talking with, with ordinary people and he announces his big plan of how he's going to solve this problem of how we're going to combat the darkness, about how the light is going to overcome the darkness. This is God's big plan, the God of the universe, and this is what he says. You, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Whoa! Wait, think about that for a second. Let those words just kind of sink in for a second. You are the light of the world. Us, you and me, we're a part of this great big plan. Ordinary us, you and me, how exactly, God, are you going to bring your hope to this world? Well, through us. What are we supposed to do? Jesus says, just be yourselves. Just be yourselves. Be who you were created to be. Be salt and be light. Just be who you are. Because we know that incredible things, incredible things happen when we choose to be who God created us to be. It's getting close to basketball season, and so I'm getting a little bit antsy. Spent a little bit too much time on ESPN lately because there's just been some really good games. I know there's that whole uh, egg-shaped game next week, but it's basketball season. It's almost March, so it's basketball season. Getting a little excited about that, and it brings me back to my glory days. Uh, back to when I had my original calling of being an NBA basketball player, traded that in, took a little bit of detour there. But I remember back to fifth grade basketball, and this was the very start of my illustrious basketball career. Uh, when I was in fifth grade, I had a pretty good sense of who I was. I, I knew who God created me to be, and I'll admit it, I was short and I was a nerd. 
I was a certified nerd. I admit it. I knew who I was. I was a pipsqueak. I was four feet nothing, maybe 75 pounds. In football, later on, people would put big chains around their neck to try to maybe just get 100, because if you break 100, then you were a man. I wasn't quite there yet. About 75 pounds um, with my big old uh, pop can bottle glasses, just nerd written all over it. I didn't have much going for me. I wasn't exactly beating the ladies off with a stick at that point, but... That was not in my script. I don't know why I said that. Um, I had one thing going for me. Basketball. Basketball. That's what I knew how to do. Really? Annenson? Basketball? Really? Uh, that, that's a joke, right? You're kidding me. Unless you knew what my secret weapon was. The three-pointer. Oh, you wouldn't have guessed it. I was about that tall. Yeah, that tall. Fifth grade. About as high as this stand right there. Three-pointers. And of course, the ball was twice the size of my head, and I knew I couldn't do much, but I could shoot three-pointers for some reason like it was nobody's business. And I knew it, and my coaches knew it. And so even though I didn't play a lot, I knew that when I'm sitting way down here on the end of the bench and I heard the words, Anderson, get in there! I knew what I was supposed to do because I knew who I was. I knew who I was. Because when you know that you're a three-point shooter, you shoot. And so even if I had a bad game, even though I hadn't exactly gone through puberty yet, I still knew who I was. And my voice was squeaking. I said, okay, I'll go shoot three-pointers. <laughs> I was a three-point shooter. And so I shot threes. Because when you know who you are, you know what you've been called to do. And I believe that where this hits us today is that so many times we look at Jesus' words here in Matthew chapter 5. You've got your Bibles open. Keep it open to Matthew chapter 5. And you look at that, and you've probably heard this before. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. And so many times we think Jesus is asking us a question. Right? Maybe you never thought about it that way, but should I be the light of the world? Do you want to be the salt of the earth? Do you feel like it today? And so we're kind of left to wonder, well, I, I hope I can live up to the, kind of like the Beatitudes a couple weeks ago, right? Maybe if I'm good enough, then I'll get into the kingdom of heaven. Maybe if I climb the ladder and do enough good things, then I'll be deserving of the kingdom. Maybe if I'm a good enough Christian, then I'll be salt, then I'll be light. I try to do some good Christian things, but me, the salt of the earth, ordinary me, little Anenson, the light of the world, Really? Yes, because Jesus isn't asking a question here. Jesus is making a statement, a fact. And he's making a statement about your identity and my identity. Because out of our identity, out of our identity in Christ, comes our mission. You are salt, you are light. Anenson, you're a shooter, you shoot three-pointers. Church, you are salt, you give flavor to the world. You are light. You shine. It's who you are, so it's what you do. And Jesus says to the crowd that day, and he says to us, you, 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 don't, you are way more valuable than you think. You, on the hill that day, and you here at City Branch, you have seriously underestimated your role in this story. Because to think back what we discovered a couple weeks ago, we're in the exact same place. 
So we, we hop back to where we were for the Beatitudes. If you can remember, what we discovered is that Jesus isn't giving his sermon in Matthew chapter 5 in a church building or from a pulpit with a big robe on and speaking down to the people. Jesus is sitting amongst the people, among the poor and the dirty and the ordinary and the nobodies and the simple peasants and the, the outcasts of society, and they're just called the crowd. The crowd, but as we, we talked about a couple of weeks ago, whenever you read the Gospels and you hear Jesus talking about or interacting with the crowd, it's all throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The crowd, you have to understand, isn't just a sea of faces. And a lot of times, as we can kind of get lost in the crowd too, in our faith, I, I'm just filling up a seat here at worship today. I'm just a part of the crowd. But the crowd in the Gospels is not a descriptive phrase to let us know, oh, there was just a lot of people. And Jesus just said, bless you to all the people. He was sitting amongst them. It's referring to a very specific group, mainly the common, the ordinary people of Palestine, uneducated people, most likely, farmers, fishermen, no wealth, no fame, no power. You might say salt of the earth kind of people, people who have settled on my life is ordinary. It is what it is. And if we're honest, sometimes we find ourselves in the crowd believing that we too are just ordinary. I'm just here putting in my time for a simple Sunday service. And Jesus says to this group of people, this group of ordinary nobodies, and he says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Part of what Jesus is saying to this, this group of nobodies and to us is, you've been told your whole life that you don't matter, that you don't have value, you're pretty convinced that you have no power and that your life is pretty insignificant. You've been seriously underestimating who you are and the significance of your life. Do you know that today? Do you know that you have way more value than you think you have? Do you know that you have way more significance in this life than you think you have? You're not a face in the crowd today. Jesus says, stop putting in your time and be who I created you to be. In my kingdom, Jesus says, which, which this entire sermon on the mount is based on, this idea of God's kingdom and, and learning to live a new way of life, you have a major role to play in that. You have a role on the team, just like little Annenson comes in to shoot three-pointers, you too have a role in this game. And it's not about getting your life all cleaned up. It's not about having perfect church attendance. It's the crowd that Jesus says is the key to the kingdom. How is the kingdom going to be advanced in this world? Through everyday, ordinary people being themselves. I can do that. I don't have it all together, but sometimes I feel like an ordinary person. Sometimes I feel like a nobody. Living life with intentionality that comes from understanding your influence. Jesus said, following me is about learning to live in a certain kind of life, a kingdom kind of life, a life that's bright like a light, a life that's salty like salt, and that's the kind of life that's truly going to make a difference in a dark world. A few years back, there was a, a movie that came out about a pretty dark place in our world as well. It was called Freedom Writers, and it was about just a very rough inner city high school in L.A., and the story is about a new uh, teacher 
played by Hilary Swank, that comes in, and she is absolutely terrified of the darkness. She's terrified of this group of students because there's gang violence and there's, there's shootings and, and all sorts of violence that you can think of with these young people losing their lives. And she's terrified until she tells them the story about Anne Frank. Maybe some of you remember reading the story of Anne Frank uh, in school and the Holocaust. And, and she tells them the story of this, this woman that actually hid Anne Frank. And she was still living. And she lived in Austria. And so the students ended up raising the money to actually bring this Holocaust survivor that helped hide Anne Frank from the Nazis to their school. And so into the dark, dangerous school for tough kids comes the least likely salt and light type of person that you would expect. The least likely hero that you would expect to meet. And I want you to listen closely to her words today. You are heroes every day, and I don't know if you caught her line, but anyone, anyone can light a small light in a dark room, because kingdom people come in all forms. Little basketball players, older Holocaust survivors, a crowd of common people on a hillside in Palestine, and you, and you. And when I say all of us, I mean all of us, all of us, including some of those people you're looking around and saying, there's a good chunk of our church missing today. And that's right, because there is, and they're worshiping with our Hope family out in West Des Moines, and they're us. They're a part of us. And of course, we miss them when they're gone, but we love them to have the experience of being a part of the larger Hope family But I'm not sure if you know this, speaking of being a light in a dark world, I'm not sure if you know this, but we have a gentleman that's a part of uh, our Breakfast Club community that comes on the bus every week, and his name is Don, and I get to brag about him because he's not here. Uh, So um, he comes on the bus every week, and his name is Don, and I can can tell you, maybe you've seen him around, but Don doesn't have to try very hard to look like St. Nick. Yes, Santa himself. Yeah, we've had some kids go, Santa, that's him, you know? It's who he is, and he started putting on his name tag, Santa, right? Not Don. And we go down to the shelter and he's still wearing it. Santa. Um, So we find out that several years ago, Don said, I don't have a lot going for me. I live in a shelter. So what am I going to do? How can I be a light? And so he says, well, I got one thing going for me. I look like Santa, so I need to get some gifts. And so he starts giving gifts a couple years ago to people in the shelters that he lives with. Well, we hook up with him through Breakfast Club and he says, can you help me? I want to expand my ministry. Well, yeah, it's hope. That's what we do. We grow the kingdom, right? We expand the ministry. So our mission team gets a hold of Don, and all of you helped with this. You, you, you donated blankets and coats and, and socks and all sorts of items, and uh, a couple of our small groups packaged them all up. And uh, back over Christmas break, I don't know if you heard about this, but our missions team chauffeured Don around on his sleigh, and we were his elves, and we went around, and we went to three different shelters, and I have to tell you, my favorite one by far was um, its New Direction shelter, and it's right over here on Grand, and it's for women and, and young children. And I'll never forget this, this image, that here's, here's Don. He doesn't have much, but he has a little light, and... and And there he is on the couch with all these kids around him with their candy canes singing away in the manger. Don Don doesn't have anything. But he knows that anyone with a little light can shine it in a dark room. I mean, you remember the song, right? 
this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Because that's what you do when you're the light. And so that's what Don did. And so I wonder, what does it look like for you? What does it look like for us? And so again, the question today is not, why is the dark so dark? But instead, where's the light? And maybe that's the question that we should be asking as well and thinking about your life. You think about what Jesus says to the people, you think about what Don did, and then you think about your life. And you said, okay, maybe the question for me is, why is, not, why, why is my boss making things so difficult? Why is my landlord so insensitive? Why are there so many people in my family that are hurting or struggling with physical pain? Instead, we ask, how can I be a light in that darkness today? How can I be a glimpse of peace amongst so much fighting in my family? How can I learn to trust in the middle of stress? How can I be a hope amidst so much pain? Because at some point, for all of us, we have to come to realize it was never about us in the first place. It's about the light that lives inside of you. Being salt and light for us today isn't a call to be that perfect Christian that solves all the problems in the world. It's a call to stand right in the middle, right in the darkness of all those problems and say, I don't have all the answers today, but I know the one who does, and I know that he's faithful. That's what I know today. And so you might be wondering, okay, that's great. I get the idea of being light because I got the song in my head now. I'm going to be singing it for the rest of the day. I get the idea of light, but what about salt? Of all the things that Jesus could call us in the Bible, I don't get this whole salt thing. I mean, what's, what's up with that? And so once again, out of the prop closet comes some salt. And this is one of those newfangled uh, sea salt grinders that my wife uses, but I don't because I haven't figured out how to use it yet. So um, we know that in Jesus' day, uh, he calls us salt and he calls us light. And we wonder what's up with the salt. Well, in Jesus' day, salt had two primary uses, and one of those primarily was to add flavor. And because we know this, that in the scripture, Jesus says, if the salt, if you, if we lose our flavor, well, what good is it? Just throw it on the ground and trample on it. So a part of what Jesus is telling the crowd that day is, if, if you're my follower, it should be good news when you show up. It should be good news when you show up to your family gathering. The Christian is here. Oh, good. Not the Christian is here. I'm going to turn on the TV and avoid him, right? It's good news when the Christian shows up. When the Christian shows up to your office, is it a better place to be because you're there? Because there's light that shines in the darkness because you're salty. When the Christian shows up, it should be good news. Well, we've got ordinary salt, but this year for Christmas, Tiffany and I acquired some amazing things, and maybe you've had these flavored popcorn seasoning, okay? This is like salt on steroids, okay? So we've got uh, white cheddar uh, seasoning. Uh, We've got uh, ranch flavored, which is my wife's favorite there. And everyone's favorite, Parmesan garlic. Because I don't know why you wouldn't want to have your breath smell like garlic after having popcorn. But I tell you what, my entire popcorn experience has dramatically changed because of those three little bottles. It's no longer just those little white little kernels, those little ordinary kernels. Oh, I'm just a white little kernel. Here I am sitting in my bowl. They're watching the movie. They're ignoring me. No, when Parmesan and garlic is on it, it's a popcorn experience. It's just changed everything. So why would you be ordinary when you could be Parmesan and garlic or white cheddar. 
Popcorn night is an event in our house because with a little bit of flavor, it brings out the best in the kernels around it. So what is it today about your Christian walk that brings flavor to the world around you? What is it about your life that whenever people have connected with you, whether that's over coffee or in the workplace or just passing or before or after worship here, what is it about you that when people have interacted with you, it feels like you just blew a breath of fresh air right into their lungs? Not, I'm perfect, but I'm real, I'm authentic. You know those kind of people in your life that after you've interacted them, you're just like, I'm so thankful for them. Salty. Salty type of people. Or put it this way, would people describe you as a person of joy? Notice I didn't say happiness because I'm not happy all the time. I'll admit it. Pastors aren't happy all the time. But there's joy. There's joy that's deeper than that. Not are you the life of the party because you're singing and dancing loudly, but are you the life of the party? Is there a joy in your eyes? Is there an authenticity in your interactions? Is there a quality to your friendships? Is there a peace and a rest in your soul today that when other people around you, they say, I don't know what it is about them, but I want that. I want more of that salt because it feels good on my taste buds. It resonates in my heart. They want to know what you have. Salty. So the first thing is flavor to bring salt. But the second thing we know about salt is that also we don't use it as much for this anymore, but there was no refrigeration or freezers, and so salt was also a preservative, and you didn't want your food to spoil or rot or decay, and so you would rub salt in it. You would cure the meat. So Jesus says you are the salt of the earth, meaning that in this world that's filled with so much rotten and decaying and, and you drive around neighborhoods and, and there's buildings that are falling apart, but there's lives that are decaying. There's a lot of death out there, a lot that's rotten. And so Jesus says, you be the curing agent. You be the salt. You breathe life into places. I can't tell you this past week I was just buzzing and I, my wife normally gets a mouthful after church because I'm just raving about all of you, but I was raving this whole past week because of what you did at the Promise House for Freedom for Youth this past week. It was just absolutely incredible. And I, and I have to go off on this a little bit more because here's this very old home that was to say it was in tough shape was an understatement. But it's home to five or six men that Freedom for Youth, our, one of our ministry partners, is working with. And there's been a lot that's rotten in their life. There's been a lot of decay and death in their life through life situations. And so we renovated the home. We uh, took out carpet. We, we worked with the boys that were there. We, we, we painted, uh, fixed up a couple bathrooms. It was an incredible day. And yeah, we renovated the home. But to see all of you giving your Saturday, serving with no agenda other than just to love, that was salty. That was salty. And it was contagious to be around. I didn't see anybody sitting around going, oh man, I'm missing the game. It was just what we do. It's because it's who we are. The look on those boys' faces to see people that they don't even know about care about the city and care about them, that's powerful. And I'm sure that they'll never forget it and no words needed to be said. Your actions spoke loud that day. And it was another reminder to me that in a culture and, and in a city sometimes, 
where so many people are skeptical and cynical about Christians? What are they all about? What are that group of people over at Hubble, what are they doing? What are they all about? Serving people with no agenda is where perceptions start to change. Because when people taste salt, they want more of whatever you've got. And so it would be easy to stop there and just send you off and say, rah, rah, go be salt and light. And it would be easy to say, for you to say, okay, God wants me to be salt and light. That's what John said today, to serve people. And if we read on in, in Matthew 5, Jesus says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So really, it's all about my behavior, right? Jesus wants us to just be good, nice, caring people, and that's good enough. I mean, look at us as a church. Look at all the outreach and look at all the mission projects we do. I mean, that's what it's all about, right? It doesn't matter what's behind it. It it doesn't matter what I believe because I'm doing things for God. I'm doing all these things for him. But Jesus knew that being light means you gotta be connected to the source, And he puts it in this this way in Mark chapter 12. And let's read this together. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, you can't separate your relationship with God from what you do for God. I can be the nicest person in the world and serve and give all my time to serve and to be active in the church but never have the love of Jesus sink down into the depths of my soul and change me from the inside out. Well, you say, I, I, I just serve. I, I, I do so much. I mean, you don't even know what I do outside of church. I'm raising a family and I work hard every day at the office and, and man, I provide so much. I'm doing what Jesus asked me to do. And there's just no time to sit around in a little fancy, little small group Bible study. Let's just do it. Let's just go out there and be the church. Come on. D- d- discipleship? I mean, let's get realistic. Who has time for that? Being a person of depth, I'm lucky if I just survive the week. I'm lucky if I just skim the surface, right? God and me, we're close, and he, he kind of understands. He just knows I'm busy. He gets it. I mean, I, I, growing up, yeah, I did the whole confirmation thing, and, and, but I have grown up, and, 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 and I, if you just knew my schedule, you would clearly see that there's just no time for me to slow down. I just have to keep going. I got to be salt. I got to be light. I got to go. And that works until you encounter a God that says, be still and know that I am God, until you encounter a God that says, rest, until you encounter a God that says, I am the vine and that makes you the branches and apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. Who says to Martha, Stop being busy and just for a while come sit with Mary at my feet. Oh, there's many things, many things that you could do, but you've forgotten the most important thing, being. Oh yes, we're called to do so much as the body of Christ and you're going to go from this place today and I want you to be salt and light and we're doing that in so many ways, but our doing must always come out of our being being with God, our relationship with God. Jesus says, you're the light of the world today, but you've got to plug in to get the power. You've got to be connected to me. And I wonder if we're not careful, it's easy to become full-time church members and part-time disciples. Without a connection to the vine, there's no fruit. Without the connection to the power, your energy, well, it's eventually going to run out. 
because somewhere along the line it came, became all about you instead of the light shining through you. So maybe today it's time to get connected to the source, to understand that there is power available. And this is the good news for all of us today in a world that's filled with so much darkness. The truth that Jesus brings more than any other in the gospel is that the kingdom of God is here. In other words, if you're looking for power, electricity is here, people. There's a nuclear power plant that just plopped right down in your world today, and his name is Jesus, and he says, plug in. Plug in. Don't try to do life on your own. You've got to be connected to the source. Repent and turn away from your lamps and your lanterns and your half-used batteries. Repent of your batteries. <laughs> Stop trying to be your own light. Plug into the light of the world. When Jesus speaks of the kingdom in Matthew chapter 4 and says, repent for the kingdom is near, the word repent there is actually a Hebrew word, teshuva, and I probably butchered that, but it means to return. Return, because the kingdom of God is here. So maybe being salt and light isn't about being better people. It's about being the kind of person that God says you already are. Return, Jesus says, return to me and let me tell you who you are today. You're a three-point shooter. And I can still hear it. Annenson, shoot the ball. And Jesus says to you today, church, be salt, be light. But first, know the light. Know him. And then go light up your world. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stand.